everybody runs. Like that's, it's, it's the original. Like you go to a elementary school at lunchtime and everybody is running. <laughs> it's like, it's intrinsic to us. And so I, we, and we lose that, you know, whether we don't make the track team, whether we, whatever it ends up being, we lose that. And I, I think that's a shame. And I think as, as a community and as an industry and everything, we need to start to get back to this idea of like, no, like run, run a block and a half and then run five blocks and then run 10 blocks. And just that alone is amazing. That's Jeremy Bresnan. And this is episode 51 of the Morning Shakeout Podcast. What's up, everybody? It's your host, Mario Fraioli, and welcome back or welcome to the Morning Shakeout Podcast, where every week I glean insight and inspiration from some of the top athletes, coaches, personalities, and behind-the-scenes people in the sport of running. This week, I am super excited to share a roundtable discussion that I hosted last November at the Loop Running Supply in Austin, Texas. It featured Jeremy Bresnan. He is the co-founder of CLA Athletics, who you heard from at the top of the show, Scott Gravatt, who is the Run Specialty Sales Director at Nike, and Pam Hess, who is the co-founder, along with her husband, Ryan, of The Loop Running Supply, which is a running shop in Austin. We covered quite a bit in this discussion, which centered around the idea of running culture, what that is exactly, how it's evolved and where it's going. We talked about the running industry, the rise of smaller brands, the influence of bigger ones and how they can all coexist. We got into running as a sport versus running as an activity versus running as a lifestyle, how those things are different, but also where they intersect. We also covered the importance of run specialty shops and how they contribute to the local culture and community. We also dove into the importance of storytelling, the role of athletes, the health of the industry, and a whole lot more. A quick apology before we get going here. This episode was recorded in a big room with my recorder on the table, so the audio isn't quite as crisp as you're accustomed to, but it doesn't sound that bad either, thanks to my producer, John Summerford of BearsRecords.com, who cleaned this up as best he could. Thank you, John. This is an awesome discussion. It's super insightful. Many thanks to my friends at Jaybird for bringing me down to Austin to host it and also for sponsoring this episode. And on that note, be sure to listen all the way through so you can take advantage of a special offer on their new Run XT wireless headphones. Alrighty, let's dive right into it with Jeremy Bresnan, Scott Gravatt, and Pam Hess. Round table. 
really tough. Um, why don't we start just by introducing ourselves, laying a little foundation here. We can start with Scott, let's take that mic, just who you are and what you do. I am Scott Cravat. I'm the running specialty sales director for Nike. I've been there a little over 10 years at Nike, um, but only in running for about a year now. Um, Jeremy Bresden, co-founder of CLA Athletics. Um, I wear many hats. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> it's just necessary. Um, design and, and a few other things among them. Uh, Mike, the other co-founder, is right here. Just. <laughs> and I'm Pam with The Loop. I contribute to uh, The Loop in all sorts of ways. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's good enough for me. So Nervous. It's all right. So this conversation is going to center around running culture. And I'm going to ask each of you to tell me what that means to you here in a second. But to me, culture is a group's way of saying, this is who we are, and this is what we do. And in running, I think there are you know, a number of different examples of that. We've got culture on a global level, and we've got culture on a local level. We've got culture in road racing, track and field. We've got it in uh, ultra running. Um, so I'd love to just start with just a, a very broad discussion of running culture and what that means to each of you. First of all, it's crazy to hear your voice <laughs> coming through the speakers. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, I have an interesting definition of culture. I've been thinking about this for, for a couple of years now. Um, I kind of define culture as the lies that we tell ourselves as opposed to the truth that we tell ourselves, right? It's the, it's the, it's the way that we talk about things and the way that we act on things that kind of binds us all together as a community. Um, yeah, and I'll just kick off the whole conversation. I'm going to steal Jeremy's thunder a little bit here. Um, I grew up in a skate. I grew up in a surf shop. I mean, that's my whole background, my whole history. And there's a really intense culture in, in surfing and skateboarding. It's I would even go so far as to call it a subculture, right? Um, and that's how I kind of got sucked into the running world, is through that subculture of running that I didn't know existed that came into my radar and it became really interesting to me. Um, but yeah, yeah, so that's how I would kind of describe it and talk about it a little bit. Yeah, you stole my thunder. No, for sure. Um, no, I mean, for sure, the skateboard culture thing is definitely something that is is very parallel. And uh, for Mike and I, when we came into the running space, um, it, it it was something we instantly recognized as something that happens in the run space. There's this community. Um, I think when we get into culture, it's the stories you tell. Um, and I think there's, like you said off the top, there's so many different stories within the run space. But then there's a community, and then if we get into retailers, there's retailers that in some, you know, whether it's retailers or clubs or crews that hold those stories together um, and add on to those stories and layer those stories. And what I find really interesting right now is I think there's a lot of cross-pollinization of these different stories that's going on. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I would say... Um culture right now where being almost a year in with the loop it's just something that's it's always evolving I feel like and um 
it's it's hard to define it because it's such a feeling and it's such a, a this like movement if you will um and i feel like our you know role at, at, as a retailer is elevating that culture and and making the the loop the space the place for the culture to live subside meet um and so yeah culture culture is always evolving and uh i can't exactly define it because we're trying to figure out what it is here in austin texas what are the ways that you've seen it evolve in the last year that you've had the shop open i think i think seeing these trends even across the world of you know this these the trend of like the run crew and um it used to be this you know in austin texas we used to have 14 local running stores um downtown and the culture was very spread out and for a while, um, when all these stores died, you just saw this culture kind of the light kind of diminish, and people were trying to figure out, you know, where to go, where to start their run from, and who to meet with, and it it, it felt very weird. But now being downtown um, on the trail, I feel like I'm seeing the culture. Uh, it's like it's coming to light again, and we're we're telling those stories and we're gathering gathering those people again. And I do think that it happens with the running stores, you know. Um, it doesn't always have to happen there, but it's it's a huge part of of running culture. No, it, space. It, it, yeah. Oh. Sorry, I look up one. It does, and I had this whole—I don't want to call it a theory—but I had this—I had this whole thought around why the running trees even existed in the first place was because running specialty stores went out of business, and they needed a place to congregate. And, that used to be running specialty. And if you look at the example, like, like what we talked about, like surf shops, that's the hub of surfing culture. You can't get away with that. I would never drop into a town and not visit the surf shop yeah. right away. They're going to tell you where the swell direction is, like what the wave height is. They're going to tell you everything you need to know to get out in the water, and you're not going to buy a damn thing. <laughs> but then you're going to go back one day, right? Um, the running specialty retail, and it's an important thing to talk about because we're sitting here at TRU right now, um, they kind of lost a grip on that culture and it turned into selling things and it turned into commodity and it turned into profits as opposed to supporting the culture and supporting those communities. Um, so when they went out of business, that's when the rise of the run crews kind of kind of came up because they didn't have, you know, they didn't have that, that retail landscape where they could actually make it happen inside those stores, yeah. you know? So would you say... Or is it fair to say that these run shops are the center of our culture in, in running, or they should be the center of our culture? They, they sh- yeah, sorry. <laughs> they should be. Um, and they can still be. And that's the way that it works in a lot of other communities. When you look at the cycling community, there's they have that as well, right? And you look at the skateboarding community and the surfing community, um, the hub of those culture centers around those retail locations. Um, and they define it. They're not just latching on and sucking off what the culture is. They're actually moving it forward and defining it and making it different. And it's a living, breathing thing that's happening. It just happens in a place where you can also buy your shoes, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think the space is like, the space is important. And again, to go back to stories, it's like somebody comes in and you can tell them a story about a shoe or you can tell them a story about a hat, <laughs> but it's the other stories. What's going on in the community? Where, where, are, what are we doing next? Um, 
how can I get you excited about this? How yeah, can I you invite you into this world? And what are the different ways that I can invite you into this world? And again, um, there's a lot of talk about retail outside of run culture. <laughs> there's a lot of talk about retail these days. And anytime you hear people talking about retail, they talk about, um, oh, it's going to be more of a community space. It's going to be more of, and what I find really interesting in the run space is it's, it's already that. The good ones are already doing that. Um, and I think all of us need to feed that and build on it. Um, and that's not always easy because everybody comes with a different idea and you guys have your ideas about how you want to do it. And we're like, maybe if you did it this way and there's, there's a lot of that that goes on, but it's still, um, that's again, that adds to it and, um, layers. Yeah. Well, I was going to say you guys clearly don't have a space. So using the brand, the voice to contribute to run culture, um, it's a whole other way of looking at it. You don't have a hub where people are meeting right now. Um. No, I mean, we're, our, our hub is, I, I mean, we're an Instagram brand. That's where we started. <laughs> um, that, that's where we found our followers, for lack of a better term, I guess. But, um, and then through that, it was like, okay, well, there's this, in, this is happening here. This is interesting from a retail standpoint, because we are trying to sell things yeah. <laughs> um, at a certain point. So, um, we've, again, there's internet, um, culture, there's this whole back and forth that goes on, but people need a place to do this and to actually meet, um, to give it something physical. So, so building off of that, how does that virtual culture coexist with this actual physical culture that we should hope to have in different places? I mean, we're interacting all the time. You know, they post something if we repost it or if we talk about it or if we just have a little back and forth quick conversation, um, just show support. I mean, it's funny because there's a lot of like hating on um, social media, I guess, but yeah. it's an incredible... <laughs> I love social media. But it's an incredible, it's an incredible tool uh, to, to, to connect people. I mean, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for social media. So we have, we have a... We have a word for it, Nike. I don't know if I'm allowed to say this might be just, you know, the dark side of <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> We call it physical. What? Physical. And um, blending and meshing the physical and the digital worlds yeah. from a retail standpoint is something that we're actually experimenting with and trying to do. And what does that look like? And I mean, yeah, we're a giant corporation and just have all the money in the world, basically, and we can't quite figure it out yet, but we've actually found a couple of things that do work and it's interesting, but the future of, of retail will be physical and digital, kind yeah. of like at the same time, and how you interact and intersect with culture. All those three things together is what the future, I think, is going to look like in the next, like, whatever, five or ten years. So question for Jeremy and two of you can chime in as well. As a smaller brand, that's very niche, you guys make headwork. Um, how did you go about reaching an audience? Who was your intended target when you launched CLA? Um, people who run. Like, not anything more than that, not more complicated than that. And um, we just talk, like, we just communicate. Literally, it's like post a photo, communicate. And then the other thing was that after we launched, people wanted to communicate with us to the point where, like, 
one Sunday, I think this <laughs> one Sunday I woke up and there was a photo of a guy in the Swiss Alps with a rainbow behind him wearing one of our hats. And he was like, just went running with my new running hat. I'm like, dude, you're in the Swiss Alps. Why are you talking about your running hat? Like, <laughs> like, this, is a, this is the best thing ever. And I was like, it, like I, you know, I got chills and like freaked me out. But that, I mean, you can't, we just talk to people, you know, and obviously I I messaged him and was like, can I repost your photo? And then, you know, it goes back and forth. I mean, we have people who like are ardent fans and that we talk to on a regular basis. And it's, it's literally as simple as that. Yeah. And we're seeing the rise of a lot of small brands in, in different spaces, in the hat space, certainly in the apparel space, even in the footwear space to some degree. Is that going to be problematic at some point? In what sense? <laughs> uh, in that you have all these brands, smaller brands, trying to be something to someone. Can they all be something to someone? No, they can't all be something to everybody. But they're gonna find they're gonna find people that they're similar to. Um, we have a certain aesthetic. So some people don't like our aesthetic, so we're not necessarily gonna connect to them. Even the way that we talk, some people are gonna be like. I uh, wish they were using different words or, you know, <laughs> and again, we get into the different niches within running. Like some people are like, I don't know, they're really speaking to my space. And, um, you know, we, we do our best. And the other thing is like our team at the beginning was Mike and me until, <laughs> yeah, until six months ago, you know, now there's, <laughs> now all of a sudden there's six of us. So that brings more voices and more stories, um, to the table. And, and so we will end up talking to more people as we grow, but, um, I don't think it's problematic. I think there's enough room for everybody. And I think the worst thing that we do in the run world, it happens everywhere, but I'll use the run world because here we are, um, is we get into this like, oh, those guys are doing that. And <laughs> we get into that and I, it drives me a little bit nuts because I'm like, there is, there are so many things that can take our attention in the world and we just want to get people into running. And if, that other brand wants to get people into running, we'd rather work with them than against them because working against them, there's no point to it. It's, it's not getting any of us anywhere. So let's work together and get people up. Hashtag stronger, faster. Yeah. <laughs> Big fan of social media. You should see my um, iPhone 10 weekly reports. Hours on Instagram. I haven't, I haven't put any restrictions yet, but I just started getting my reports, and I did notice that this week I was down a seven percent. Well done. Sorry, I don't even know. I know. Hashtag wellness. Hashtag work life balance. Pam, why is my question for you as an owner of a retail shop? You have a lot of different brands here. You have bigger brands such as Nike, New Balance. Uh, you have smaller brands like CLA. You have Tracksmith. How do you decide, you know, how to bring in a, a brand or which brands to, to bring in and expose your customers to? Yeah, well, right now we're not even a year in, and so we're doing a lot of experimenting. But um, to see. And we wanted the store to be different, and we didn't want people to walk in here and feel like they're at Dick's Sporting Goods. No um, and we just felt like retail, run retail, was like completely watered down. Apparel was all the same at every running store, and um, it just, you know, it's pretty typical for apparel, I'm speaking specifically to apparel, to 
and run specialty to not really be the main focus. And we just felt like there's so many beautiful things to offer and it's not in the stores. And we found a lot of our uh, brands on Instagram. Like we message Satisfy or, you know, they're in the in Paris and we direct message, we probably direct message um, Tracksmith or a couple people. And it's crazy that that's how we got a lot of business, but like seriously DMs on Instagram, a ton of them just, I think, like the Wind Magazine, we are totally DMing them um, to get their product in here. And so, but at the end of the day, we wanted to bring in apparel that was niche and beautiful and all that stuff, but we still have to, you know, be able to make sales and carry the, the core items that runners, you know, need that they can ease into, you know, these other smaller brands. Like, we will sell a ton of Brooks Sherpa shorts. Like, that is a staple core short that we do really well at. And then people are, you know, also trying on the tracks with session short and we've introduced that to them. And so, you know, having a, a mix of uh, these, a mix of product that, you know, we don't want to completely go too far one way and just be uber trendy and not have anything that's functional or that anybody doesn't know. And so we've tried our best and Sarah has done a really great job, especially because she's the cool factor. Um, anything that's cool. I mean, look at that. Look at that. <laughs> anything that's cool in the store probably came from Sarah's head ideas and stuff. So, and so she's really introduced us to other brands that you know we wouldn't have thought of. That was a long answer. That was a great answer. I want to. Yeah, throw that back to Scott. I was just gonna. There's there's a hidden story in there about how important those products are to culture. Yeah. Um, and we know it growing up as, as skateboarders, um, a pair of checkerboard slip-on vans identified you yeah. on purpose. Yeah. You went to high school wearing your skull skate shirt because you wanted to be identified with a certain subculture of people you do with vans all the time, right? Like, that's why you wear the suicidal tendency shirt when you're a kid, because you want to be on that side of the cafeteria, not that side of the cafeteria. <laughs> and the hat, or a pair of shoes, or, or a pair of surfer shorts, or whatever it is, identifies you with that crowd and with that and with that crew. It's really important. Yeah, I mean, I, I think I think a lot of run specialty in the past there was there was a lot of it felt old, right? And again, CLA came out of me trying to find a run hat, right? And it was like. I can't find one. I can't find a hat that's technical that I want to wear. I can find a hat I want to wear, and I can find a technical hat, but I can't find both. So what if we put these two things together? Um, but I don't know where I was going with that. But it's the importance I, of products. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, again, so when we first launched, I remember going into a store and dropping the box on the table, and there was like, you know, eighteen-year-old kid there. I just said that, eight-year-old kid, um, <laughs> um, who, you know, he opened up the box and he was like, oh, these are sick. And he put it on and it was like, he could now wear that and identify as a runner and be stoked to wear that and identify as a runner. And that was like, okay, number one, yes, we're onto something. And number two, that's amazing. Like that's, that's yeah. super exciting. Um, yeah. And that's a relatively new thing that we're seeing in the running space is people actually wanting to identify as runners rather than saying, like, no, I don't really run. I run run three miles five times a week, but no, I don't really run. And it's not just on a youth level. I mean, you see it in in adults as well. It's like people almost would go out of their way 
to not let anyone know that they were running, but we're definitely seeing that change. And I think a lot of that does tie back to the products because that is how you identify yourself. Yeah. Are you guys seeing a lot of that here in Austin? Repeat the question. <laughs> identifying with products and changing the culture. Well, just more people showing pride that they're a runner or oh, totally. presenting themselves in totally. such a way to be like, yeah, this is you know, this is who this is who I am. Totally. This is what I do. Definitely. I, I one of my favorite parts of or having started the store and all that stuff and the thing that's most just fascinating to me is just brand. Hashtag brand. Um, and like everybody has a brand now and now everybody's their own brand and it's this weird world that we live in and maybe I overthink it, but um, these runners now, like their Instagram brand is their like running brand and they associate it and they want to have the coolest apparel and the cool shoes and they're going to brag about it and they're going to hashtag it and they're going to want to get a thousand likes from it. And so people are more, yes, proud than ever, I think, to be a runner and, um, yeah, associating, uh, like what you said, associating to product too and having the coolest product. And I, I think, yeah, I would agree. Hey, Morning Shakeout listeners, it's that time in the show for me to thank the sponsor that makes this podcast possible. And this week, it's Jaybird. I just love this company. I love what they're about. I'm a big fan of the products that they make. The Jaybird team is based in Park City, Utah. It's made up of serious athletes that are maniacally focused on building the best wireless headphones for athletes. Like many of you, I'm an avid podcast listener, and having a good pair of headphones is super important to me. And my go-to for a while now has been the Jaybird Run True Wireless Headphones. I just love these things. First and foremost, they're super comfortable. They stay in my ears. They hold a charge for a long time. And most importantly, they pump out incredible sound. Jaybird has just released an update to their true wireless line called the Run XT, which are now fully waterproof and sweatproof. So they hold up to your hardest workouts and even the most extreme weather conditions. They are freaking awesome. Right now, Morning Shakeout listeners, that is you, can receive 20% off a pair of the just-released Run XT True Wireless Headphones and also get free shipping through the end of March 2019. Just go to jbirdsport.com and use the code SHAKEOUT. That's all one word, all capital letters, when you check out to take advantage of this awesome offer. And they want me to tell you that offer can only be applied once per customer. All right, that's it for now. My thanks to Jaybird for their support of the Morning Shakeout podcast. Let's get back to the show. So let's take that a step further and talk about the role of the athlete in this, and not just the, the professional athlete, but we'll call them recognizable athletes in running and how they are, I hate the word influencer, but how they're influencing consumers uh, and people who identify as runners. Because if we go back to the time you spent in a surf shop. Um, and I don't come from the action sports world, but I mean, a lot of people who identify as surfers knew who the top surfers were. Um, you know, in skateboard, they know who the top skaters are. Everyone knew who Tony Hawk was, and he was sort of like this icon, I think. And for a while in running, I mean, there's still a huge percentage of the population of general runners who don't know who a lot of the top athletes are. But now, they're starting to, to get picked out. and. It, it almost seems like it's a similar effect to what was happening yeah. in, in action sports for the last several decades. The funny thing about, if you look back at surfing and skateboarding, 
they didn't invent that. They didn't, they weren't the first people to put athletes on the payroll to sell their stuff. That was Steve Prefontaine, right? Because that's the original badass. And he was, he had all of the style and he had all the speed and all of the flair to back it up. And he was the first athlete to actually, you know, in, in a realistic way, actually be used to sell product and be used to push a brand um, forward. Growing up in skateboarding, we didn't necessarily, or in surfing, we didn't necessarily like the best skateboarders. It was the one you resonated with the most. Yes. And you still see that in running today. Yeah. Those athletes are just as important, right? Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, we all want to be Shalene Flanagan. At the end of the day, I want to I want to <laughs> right? Um, but there's the other side of, you know, of the Mo Farah on one side where you want to run those times, but then there's the, the, the Wombley side where you just want to kind of go for it and be a badass and, and either, you know, and, and fail trying if you have to, but both of those athletes actually push the culture and the brands forward and, and give, the, give us like a North Star. That's an interesting point. It's more of a resurgence than it is. anything else because that went away for a long time. It, it did. And yeah. a lot of that had to do with the brands not pushing it forward the way that they should have. Like we take that our own personal responsibility at Nike. That's our responsibility too for just going after the fastest time as opposed to the person who has the most amount of culture behind them or the most or has an interesting story or is just it's just an awesome person yeah well yeah. even now in running a lot of the most memorable quotes that we still see are from steve prefontaine yeah. they're not from the athletes that we're seeing we're seeing more and more of that yeah. i think that's a, a sign of the health of of the sport and the industry as a whole yeah i think it's a sign of the health of the industry yeah. like in a in a lot of ways simply because the the industry, I point in this direction, um, has has a has a really big megaphone. So the reason we hear about Prefontaine is because he's got the the megaphone, um, and so I think you're starting to hear more because there's more and more megaphones, right? Yeah. There's more and more people talking about you know talking about people in their own i mean it's it's micro too right like it's not necessarily huge like we've got different people in different communities all over the world who are like they're shouting for us um in so many different ways it's a little bit mind-blowing sometimes but um also instagram and social media has really brought that down to a very local level too yeah right like if i had to identify the athletes that are most inspiring to me right now David Kilgore, right? Like, that's awesome. It's not necessarily Elliot Kipchoge, although, yeah. But yeah, but it's not necessarily all the top performing athletes right now. It's it's all the blue collar guys and all the blue collar girls that are just inspiring and doing their thing. And thanks to social media. Because there's a level of relatability there. Yes, uh, yes. You wouldn't otherwise have been aware. program that meets out of the space and uh, a lot of our Thursday night group group runners and such but uh, the Austin social media running group um, you know it's not as big as some other cities right now but but we see it a lot uh, 
and we see these kind of group leaders that are really spearheading it. And more and more, I'm seeing these Instagrammers and um, runners that are creating, you know, voicing their brand or their running um, on Instagram now more than ever. Um, but I, I still think that Austin is, is growing in that sense uh, in the Instagram running world. Well, I think what we're seeing from a product standpoint, from we'll call it the influencer standpoint, even on a media standpoint, speaking from my own experience, is it doesn't have to be big and you don't have to cater to everyone. But for a while, that was how things worked. I know when I was at Competitor Magazine and Competitor.com, it was trying to reach as many people as possible. My old boss, Brian Metzler, sitting right over there. But, and that wasn't his fault. But it was <laughs> You know, try to try to reach as many people as possible. Try to try to get as many people to your website as possible. Yeah. Um, you know, try to sell shoes to as many runners as possible. And now what we're seeing, like, well, it's okay if we're not everything to everyone. Like, we want to be something really special to to a few people, and we can survive that way. And that's okay. Like, it's okay to it's okay to play small. Um, you know, we're okay with having a small company and I think that's a pretty cool trend that we're seeing. I mean I'm doing it myself with you know this podcast and, and my newsletter. It's not huge, it's not for everyone, but you know I have a passionate following and I'm able to continue doing it. So Yeah. I mean the thing that's interesting and it's the same thing in everything right now, music, whatever, is that um in the past if we wanted to film something we had to hire a cameraman and if we wanted to record a podcast, we had to get a studio. We, you know, if we wanted to broadcast to the world, we needed a lot. We don't need anything anymore. We have it in our pockets. So it does level the playing field, but in leveling the playing field, it does what you said. It brings everybody to the party. Um, and so in some ways, it's harder to shine. Um, and, and that's, you know, it's a challenge as a small brand that doesn't necessarily want to be a small brand forever. <laughs> um, you know, that, that is, is trying to like, how do we, how do we grow this? Um, how do we, um, develop these communities? And we've been doing it and we've been, you know, we were an Instagram brand and we, we continue to be, but we've also been trying to kind of harness these different groups in different cities and, um, run, physical activities. We have the CLA Challenge as an example, which is something that we just just started. Andrew, Andrew, where are you? There he is. Um, Andrew has just started to roll out. Um, we, we ran about 20 of them this past fall, and that's just a fun event. There's no, like, there's no real competition. I mean, there is a little bit of um, competitive spirit that goes on for sure, but that's just a fun event. But how do we, you know, tie those different things together and, and grow from these little embers, I guess? Scott, how does Nike, as arguably the largest global brand in this space, think about the rising that's occurring with a lot of these smaller brands in apparel and footwear, um, you know, all these different areas that you guys have dominated for so long? This is definitely me speaking on the record for this giant multi-million. It's a positive thing. Um, and, and I say that as honestly as I possibly can. Um, the cult, if, if the culture of running is strong in North America, our brand is strong at Nike. Right? If the culture of running is strong in North America, that's a good thing. 
I don't look at CLA as a, as a competitor. I don't look at Tracksmith as a competitor. I look at PlayStation as a competitor, yeah, exactly. right? And all of us together, um, strengthening a running culture, and, that, and again, that's, that starts in middle school and high school. But yeah. all of strengthening that running culture is a positive thing for everybody. So it's easy for me to say, from, from my standpoint, right, with the sales that we have and the, and the retail partners that we have, it, it would be harder to say that from a, from a smaller brand standpoint. I get that. Um, and I don't want to diminish that, but I do want to say it's, it's not as competitive as you think it is. We, we do look at it as, as a positive thing. I think that's a great answer. It's an important one to share because from the outside looking in, right. I think a lot of people have that view that, oh, Nike just wants to squash all of these other brands because yeah. they don't want the competition. They want to own it all. Not true. Not only, not only do we want a healthy running culture, we want a healthy running specialty world. Like a lot of our job, and I won't even say mine, a lot of like Bethany's job, for example, sales rep in the background is helping Pam and Ryan not buy too much. Like we don't want that to happen. Like we don't want, we want the loop here. That's important for Austin. That's important for Texas. That's important for running. So whatever the right amount of sales is, is the right amount of sales. We're not trying to push that necessarily, right? At the loop. That's, that's what running specialty is all about is a different vibe. Thanks for that. I appreciate it. Yeah. One thing you just mentioned that I want to dig into a little bit is youth and how culture starts at that middle school level. And cross country and track, they're huge participatory sports here, but falls off a bit after folks get out of school. Yeah. What can be done to strengthen that or what is being done you know, here on your level to reach that crowd and, and get people immersed in this running or get kids immersed in this running lifestyle earlier in life. I'm going to pass this to Pam because this is a setup for your running crew. <laughs> right? and, and it's really, and that's really important because from a personal standpoint, uh, well, full disclosure, I'm a high school cross country coach. High school cross country is the greatest sport in the entire world. <laughs> um, and my son, uh, was a pretty competitive high school cross country runner and went to a division one school and hated all of it. Hated the whole post high school experience of running. Um, and that kind of opened my eyes, right? I see kids hate it all the time. So there is, uh, there is a, a community out there of young 20 something year olds that want to run fast and competitively still and don't want to do it in the confines of NCAA and in the confines of Division One or Division Two running, right? So, layup. <laughs> <laughs> so the loop just branded a run crew. <laughs> it's called Go the Spoils, and yeah. it's it's uh, taking running for fun way too seriously. It's the you know twenty somethings and thirty somethings, forty somethings um, that have this passion for running, and, and a lot of these. Um, runners in this crew, you know, we, it's such a passion and, and we want to be able to share that with other people and you start finding those other people that are like-minded like you and you're like, no, I want to keep PRing. I want to keep, you know, reaching that goal. I'm not stopping now. Why want to stop now? Um, there's always something to chase and there's always, you can always get better and, and it's, you know, whenever you find those people, you surround yourselves with those people it's just so infectious and you can realize that, you know, I've only known this person for, you know, two weeks, but we've been on this 10 mile loop, you know, twice a week or whatever, two, three times a week. And 
it's just this family like connection that happens and um yeah this growth of run crews and people who are you know post-collegiate or ran cross country what have you that want to keep running and have fun running and but still try really hard you know like you can have some people have fun just completing the, the marathon some people have fun shooting for an OTQ and they don't care if they ever get to the Olympics but whatever it is that keeps you running um, you find people that are that are like you and they want to do it with you and it's, it's we really call that cool. high school cross country I love it. Well, you see it at all levels. You see it at the high school level. You see it certainly at the collegiate level. But I think we're seeing back to the whole resurgent thing. We're seeing that at the post-collegiate level right now too. And you're seeing it in the depth of some of the results that we're seeing in in road races. I mean, I'm going to be at CIM this weekend, and I was there last year. I mean, there were 106 guys who ran under 230 there last year. There weren't 106 guys at Boston who ran under 230. I mean, different course, different day and all that. But we're starting to see that it is becoming, you know, more of a thing that people want to see how fast they can they can go in their mid-20s, mid-30s, mid-40s, uh, which is pretty cool. I'd love to get all three of your thoughts on running as an activity versus running as a sport, versus running as a lifestyle, or versus even needs to be in the middle of those three things. It doesn't need to be in the middle of those three things. It is what it is to you. Um, I, I, like, personally, running is an escape. It's my, it's my pause. Um, it's finding a rhythm. It's really slow. Um, it's you know but that's that's what it is and then it's community as well there's there's that end of things but it it's it it can be all of those things and all of those things can coexist together and I can be super excited for my friend who's running Boston this spring um but knowing that I'm not going to be running it with him (laughs) Um, so I think I, I think we need to look at it like across the board I think that's what that's good for the sport I think that just there's a there's a strength in saying like no do it do it the way you do it I mean we all like our hashtag is everybody run um everybody runs like that's it's it's the original like you go to a elementary school at lunchtime and everybody is running <laughs> it's like it's intrinsic to us and so I we and we lose that you know, whether we don't make the track team, whether we, whatever it ends up being, we lose that. And I, I think that's a shame. And I think as, as a community and as an industry and everything, we need to start to get back to this idea of like, no, like run, run a block and a half and then run five blocks and then run 10 blocks. And just that alone is amazing. You know, I had a good conversation about this today. I'm talking on the phone with a friend and we said, you don't, two fish are you know, sitting in the water and one looks at the other and he's like, yeah, I'm not really a swimmer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or two birds aren't sitting on the, on the, on the branch and one's like, oh, I'm not really a much of a flyer. You know, but I don't know why two humans look at each other and be like, oh, I'm not really much of a runner. Yeah. You know, it's, it's the, I mean, it's the whole evolution of how we got to where we are is that we are all runners at the end of the day and it is really important. Um, this is kind of where the difference between, you know, the surf and the skates culture is different than the running culture because running was a sport that turned into a lifestyle and a culture, right? Um, 
skateboarding and surfing was always that first. It was a lifestyle and a culture first. It's now looking for a little bit of a legitimacy as a sport. Um, and in skateboarding and surfing, we're really not very fond of that, right? Like surfing in the Olympics scares the heck out of me. Like that just, it goes kind of against everything I've ever been known to, to do in surfing. Um, so to say running, seeing the transition to go from running, which was originally a sport, to a jogging craze, to an entire industry right now, is the exact opposite of that. Um, but it's managed to do it, and it's both at the same time, in some weird way. You know, um, the lifestyle aspect of what running is, I think is more important to, to where we're at today as a culture, right? And to pull a very specific segment out of, of running that I think is more relatable to that, look at trail and ultra running. Yeah. Um, it's, it's exactly as you described in the surf culture. It, and now that trail and ultra running is becoming more of a sport and there's more yeah. money in it and there's bigger events, uh, there are definitely people who are like, I don't know if I like this. No, I, I mean, my joke with David Laney is professional trail runner is an oxymoron. That's the whole, that was the whole point of, of trail running in the beginning. Um, and now you have the biggest brand in the entire world interested in trail running. And it, and it just feels at odds, um, but in a way the same, in the same way that Nike skateboarding kind of felt at odds at first, right? You have to do it correctly and you have to do it carefully and you have to culture. pay attention, culture. right? It's the culture. It is a culture. It's, it feels like such a cliche to say it again, but you don't impose anything on that. You ask for permission to be a part of it. You, you ask, can we, be, can we be a part of that culture if we contribute to it in this, in this way, you know? Yeah, and I mean, anybody involved in anything, as long as they're asking permission and listening and contributing and beginning to tell stories, it, it, it's a part of it. It's fine. Like it, we, yeah. we get caught up. It's easy to get caught up in saying, oh, no, we don't want that because that's not from us. But what is from us? We're all in this together. So. Yeah. Is there a hashtag? Well, is there a hashtag? No, no, not yet. Not together. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hashtag all runners welcome. <laughs> um, <laughs> with CLE and um, everybody runs. I I started off running, I did competitive cheerleading for 12 years uh, and nobody would have guessed that out of me until you see me cheer. Um, <laughs> We're uh, waiting. We're waiting. <laughs> sorry, not happening. Um, but I, I started running in college and it was something that I did to deal with a breakup and, you know, I was going super slow. I did my first marathon, it was five hours. I trained for it in 45 days. I I was training College Station, Gigamags, and, uh, you know, came back to Austin, Texas to run the marathon, and my professor at the time asked me what, what I was training for. I told him Austin, he's like, oh, you better hill train. And I remember I went to the, the rec center and I put the incline on 10 and did that once or twice. Everybody. 
somebody who can run. And after that, and having seen that and seen that in myself, I was just so excited to share that with the world. And then I moved to Austin, Texas, where I meet Ryan in a running store. I ended up coaching um, people trying to lose 20, 50, and 100 pounds uh, to, to run. And they don't call themselves, they didn't call themselves runners at the time, but these people ended up doing half marathons and losing 80 pounds. And that's running, you know? And taught my mom to how, to, how to run. And she ended up, we would go mailbox to mailbox in the neighborhood. I'm like, just run one mailbox. Yeah, and then the next day she would run two mailboxes. And, you know, it's whatever it took, but she was out there and it was, it was endorphins. And yeah. yeah, so I'm super passionate about that. I, I, I believe everybody can be a runner. And if you want to do it, you just be consistent and get out there and find community to help you. It definitely helps. That's the best story of the night right there. I think it's a good place to wrap things up. Thank you so much to all of you for all that you do um, for your local community here in Austin and for the running community as a whole. Um, what do you say? I think this was pretty good. Thank you all so much. All right, we did it. Another episode in the books. Thank you so much for tuning in. I've got a little ask of you. If you enjoyed the show, or even if you didn't, go to Apple Podcasts or whatever platform you listen to audio on and leave a brief rating and a review. Only takes a few minutes, but helps other listeners to discover the show, and it really means a lot to me. Thank you so much to everyone who has done so already. Also, big thank you to Jaybird for sponsoring this episode. Like many of you, I'm an avid podcast listener, and having a good pair of headphones is super important to me. And my go-to for a while now has been the Jaybird Run True Wireless Headphones. I just love these things. They are super comfortable. They stay in my ears. They hold a charge for a long time. And most importantly, they pump out incredible sound. Jaybird's just released an update to their true wireless lines called the Run XT. These are now fully waterproof and sweatproof, so they will hold up to just about anything that you throw at them, from your hardest workouts to the most extreme weather conditions. In short, they are freaking awesome. And right now, Morning Shakeout listeners, that is you, can receive a 20% discount off a pair of the just-released Run XT true wireless headphones and get free shipping through the end of March 2019. All you have to do is go to jbirdsport.com and use the code SHAKEOUT. That is all one word, all capital letters, when you check out to take advantage of this great offer. And they want me to tell you that offer can only be applied once per customer. One more quick round of thank yous before we wrap up here. Thank you to John Summerford from bearsrecords.com. He is the man behind the audio magic here at the morning shakeout. And this show sounds as good as it does because of him. Thank you, John. All right, that's all I've got for this episode. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Mario Fraioli, and this has been the Morning Shakeout Podcast. Mm-hmm.